and welcome to Head Boss in Charge. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, cheers to cheers 2018. To 2018. Maybe less trash than 2017. Exactly. And I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I'm feeling, I have some high hopes for 2018. I just had some good energy on the first few days of the, of the year. Good. I would echo similarly. I'm looking forward to what this year has to unfold and yeah. letting go of last year. Yeah, so how you bossing? How's the holidays? How's your new year? What's been going on? Um, I'm good. I'm in a super good mood. I'm getting ready for a vacation, which I will hopefully be able to talk about when I get back, but I'm not going to be like, this is where I'm going and this is what I'm doing, but excited to be getting away after a break because I just did fam- I did a bunch of family time um, and seeing some friends uh, down in LA, so that was Busy, but really, really relaxing, and I had a great time, and yeah, I I can't really complain. I came back to work knowing that I had four days, and then I was going to be gone for, um, again, after that, so um, people tried to try me, and I said, no, you won't. <laughs> not you, today. You don't know my life, <laughs> and this does not require a response, so yeah, I was, it, I'm good. Overall, I'm good. I am Blessed and highly favored. Uh, so, yeah. That's a quick how I'm doing. Yeah. How you, bossing? Good. I had, I'm nearing the end of my vacation. By the time you hear this, um, I will be back at work. First time at work in two weeks. <laughs> um, but I, I had a staycation. So, I stayed here in San Francisco. It was lazy as hell. And I don't really get to revel in being lazy. Um, and I don't think lazy is necessarily negative. Um, I got to slow down. Just be with myself and enjoy idleness. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but Christmas was really good. I spent it with a close friend of mine. Um, we actually did dim sum mm. on Christmas Day because um, really only Chinese restaurants are open yeah. on, on the Christmas Day. So Accurate. Right. So we did that, which was really cute. It was actually really packed, the place that we went to. And then um, we went back to my friend's place and we made... Um, holiday martinis we made chocolate peppermint martinis um which we experimented we (laughs) we basically um rummaged through my friends um uh like liquor cabinet and we found some chocolate peppermint schnapps Um, my friend is lactose so we used uh, almond milk liqueur which i never knew existed i didn't know that was a thing yeah it's a thing almond milk liqueur and then we add a little bit of vodka we mix that up and just drank and had a good time. Smoked a okay. little bit. Listened to music. It was great. It was great. And then uh, New Year's, I stayed in, actually. Um, I had the choice of going to a like a house party, but I just wasn't feeling social. I was just like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be around niggas. So... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. They, they're not bad people. They're not bad people. I just was in a mood. And also, you know, San Francisco usually has plenty of options for New Year's, and it's actually my least favorite holiday because you build up so much hype and you feel like you need to, you know, make sure you're spending around people that you love, mm-hmm. that you go to an event that makes you feel fulfilled about the new year. And I'm constantly disappointed because I have high expectations and, and I don't know why. And they're unmet. <laughs> you're like, it's like insanity. I know right. they're going to be unmet and then they're unmet. Right. And people are rude as fuck on New Year's Eve night. Like when you go out, people are just like extra drunk. I don't know what it is about the New Year's crowd, but it's more off than a regular night in the city. Oh. 
As a person that doesn't go out, that sounds like a terrible <laughs> idea um, to be out and about on New Year's. I was at a house party for a friend. It's, it was his birthday, and his partner um, rented a house, and we were in wine country, which was fantastic. And it was, like, super chill. Um, mm. Mind you, I fell asleep at, like, 11.15. Um, in a house of like 20 people, which is oh, fine. Okay. I was in the, it was in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, wife came in, woke me up at like 11.50, 11.52. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, let's do this. Let's bring in the new year. <laughs> did you get that weird, like, what time is it? When is it? Like that yeah. delirious. Yeah, I did. But then I, I walked out and I showed up and had, you know, hey. some champagne. Woo! And I was like, I'm ready to go. So, yeah, then, yeah. <laughs> I pretty much went to bed right after the new year. Yeah, yeah, I didn't really care about it. But what was more of the buzz this year was there were more parties for New Year's Day, like day parties. Oh. Um, and so in my, you know, social gay sphere, um, the, there were these two parties. Uh, and the one that I went to was called the Breakfast of Champions. Um, the other one was also nearby, but it was an outdoor uh, block party. And the party starts at 6 a.m. It's meant oh. to be an after party for all the other parties in SF that end around like 4 or 5. But I was like, hell no, I'm not going to the party at 6 a.m. I got there at 1, um, 12 or 1, and it was a blast. Probably a couple thousand people at this, Oh, hell no. Yeah, a couple thousand people at this place called The Midway, which is gigantic. They have a gigantic indoor and a gigantic outdoor area. So it didn't, it wasn't like shoulder to shoulder. Is this in the city? In the city. Oh. Um, the Midway, it's this like venue on the pier near Bayview. Oh. So it's like way out there. I'm saying it's like I'm a go ever, but okay. <laughs> so um, went out there and what I couldn't believe, if you know San Francisco, there are just characters here, archetypes. Mm, um, true. And think of every archetype with the exception of homeless people from the ages of 21 to 60, maybe even older, at this party. Um, the gays were there, the older people were there, the hippies were there, the everyone was there. And also wearing costumes and just being fun and liberal. And what I loved about this mo- the most about people watching were the older folks, because you could tell that like this is their one or two times a year, two times a year <laughs> like, that they this go. This is the turn up. This, this is this it. is the turn up. So they go, they go all out, and <laughs> just watching them dance, get high, and do all that shit was just hilarious. But I was with my best friend, and um, I saw a bunch of other people there that I knew. We stayed out there till six, and. Um, then I felt inclined to want to continue the day because I had no work the next day. Uh-huh. Uh, went to the Castro. It was dead as hell. I should have known because it's a, it's a Monday. But um, I had a great time. It was a good New Year's, a good way to bring in the New Year, just in daylight. Oh, okay. So I'm all about the day party. Like, as I get older, I'm less about the night stuff, more about the day party. Yeah, I didn't do any of that. I was home. <laughs> chilling. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was home. I was where I was supposed to be. I said no. Well, I said yes. (laughs) (laughs) Starting the new year with no already? No. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. You're that kind of boss. You always say no, don't you? Well, I always try to take a pause before making a commitment to a yes or a no. <laughs> I don't want to be too like, oh yeah, or, or oh no. I'm like, you know what? Let me think about that. 
Even though you already know the answer in the yeah. back of your head. <laughs> you were pulling some get out shit right now. Like, what? rim around the glass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do you want a, you just want a spoon? I was, yeah, I was casually <laughs> uh, putting my finger around the edge of my uh, uh, glass. You were gone south. I was like, I was trying to think of the term mason jar and I forgot. Anyways, anyways, so we're here for a water cooler talk. Um, And I wanted to talk about self-preservation and toxic work environments. Okay. Toxic work environments. Okay. With the taste of your lips, I'm on a ride. You're toxic, I'm sipping under a taste of a poison paradise. I'm addicted to you, don't you know that I'm toxic? All right. What was that? Thank you for that introduction. I love how much you cringe every time I break out into song. I just, I want to support you and sometimes not sure how. Well, this kind of toxic environment um, is not one worth being addicted to. Um, True. Right? Yeah. Um, I'm sure most of us have been in, the, been in those spaces, but I kind of just want to talk about wh- our past experiences with toxic environments. Mm-hmm. What are some of the characteristics of a toxic work environment? Um, maybe even share some examples or stories um, that made you feel that you were just in a um, yeah, toxic environment. Yeah. Hmm... Well, I have to do the, like, in my 12 years of experience before somebody that I know that listens catches feelings about this shit. Um, so I think it, it's kind of hard to define, like, what a toxic environment is because it depends on how, like, I respond in that moment and who I am in a given environment. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it has changed over the, the years in terms of what I'm willing or able to tolerate, put up with. Um, deal with um, and how thin my skin initially was and the fact that it's become thicker and I have more outlets to kind of balance like what I what shit I'm willing to put up with and what I won't um I think that's an important caveat to think about and realizing that for me that has changed over time and I think for most people it will change over time because I remember being in my 20s and like everything was all like feelings like I had feelings about everything and it was like it's a personal side against me like why are they coming for me like they're making it I was making it personal um and realize I had to then grow into realizing you know later through my 20s and certainly in my 30s that this whatever somebody is going through and they're trying to create this environment this is not about me um and what they're projecting is about them and I just so happen to be like in the sphere of shit that they're throwing and that doesn't absolve me from, like, participating in shit or being a part of it or, like, unfortunately feeling the weight of that. But certainly I've had to think about, okay, what is my role in this situation? How do I, how do I, for me, it's like, how do I distance myself from this bullshit mm-hmm. because I can't be a part of this? Or how do I make moves to not be in this environment anymore? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, I already forgot your first question. But, uh, but no, that's really good, and you're kind of uh, giving a really good outline of where I'm hoping the conversation goes later. Um, but what are some characteristics, and like you said, it's very specific to the person and the experience, but yeah. what are some characteristics of um, a typical toxic work environment? Um, 
I think that in my, again, 12 plus years of professional experience, not including Sips graduate on school. Pinkies up. Um, <laughs> I think an environment where there is a consistent level of me not feeling like I want to engage with my colleagues. And I'm not, like, I certainly have made friends while working. Um, and some of those friendships have carried on beyond, like, the working like, if we both leave an institution or an organization, like, I have friends that, certain, like, you and I are an example of, like, we don't work at the same place anymore, but we have still maintained a friendship and a connection. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I am dreading interacting with colleagues, um, or if I feel like I'm constantly drained by even, like, the idea of an interaction, or the idea of a meeting, or if I'm like, oh, shit, is this the same Thursday meeting what can I do to get out of it? Um, those are some examples. I think there's a physical toll that, that um, a toxic environment can play on you, and it weighs over time. It's usually not the first time, the second time, the fifth time. But I, I have felt like physically like either anxious or dreading it to the point where I'm trying to come up with reasons to not be there. Or like I, I start to write notes of things that I'm like how I'm going to come back. If somebody says something slick or something like out of pocket, I'm like, let me go ahead and write down these notes. So I have some, I got some automatic comebacks in in case I need to. Right. Um, To me, those are like at the top of my head, the the most um, uh, tangible examples I have of toxic environment. But like, it's certainly a gut, like I get nervous because I don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. I'm not that I can't hold my own, but I'm like, this doesn't feel good to me. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. So a lot of, most of what you said I would notice was really focusing on kind of what, um, a little bit of how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. It's more from the perspective of the individual. Yes. Um, and I think it can go both ways. Sometimes it's the perspective of the individual. Maybe there might be a little bit of projection and maybe sometimes it is the actual environment, things Mm -hmm. that have nothing to do with you. So some of my examples, I try to be someone who does not contribute to the bullshit. I try, even though I believe maybe what people are saying or doing, I try not to repeat it. So um, one really common example is just jadedness. Mm. And I would say no matter where I go, I'm probably going to run into people, people who have been at the organization much longer, Mm -hmm. who are just jaded. And they say in such passive-aggressive ways, from um, every time we have a meeting, they may say comments that, uh, they, that indicate that they've just lost, lost faith in the process. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're trying so hard to be strategic, uh, track our progress, assess, mm-hmm. whatnot, but they might be that, that devil's advocate, like, well, what about this? And blah, 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 blah. Look, Those people get on my nerves. Like, First of all, what I won't do is advocate for the devil. Right. So you're on your own for that. <laughs> or choose other words. But yeah, I hear you. Yeah, they tend to be the ones who are jaded. Like, maybe personally affected, and then they just pour that negativity into the, into the workplace. Or they're the, like, well, we tried that once and it didn't work. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That part so much. Um, Another one is um, uh, well. Another one that I thought of is yeah, not wanting to be around certain people. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes you can't get away with that. That's someone who you you need to meet with on a regular basis. That's hard. But um, I've been in situations where uh, I'll be in a committee, right? 
And I don't think that person... I've never had an issue with a per. Well, no, that's a lie. <laughs> I've had issues with like, people. Um, excuse me. No, I, I thought of that. Like, if I'm working on a, like, a committee-type, um, uh, like, level of work, and I have biases against a certain person... I don't know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna admit that I've been very petty. <laughs> you know, Who you know, giving them the cold shoulder, not looking them in the eye, not trusting them for their word, um, and it. And I act that way because we've worked together once. Mm-hmm. They, in so many words, stabbed me in the back, and so mm-hmm. I don't trust them. Or I've just known that they've had poor employee performance. Yeah. So I don't want their work to be a reflection yes. of. Yes. My work, yes. right? So, um, and when you're working with, and then especially when that individual who um, is someone that nobody wa- wants to work with, it adds to the toxicity because now we can't really get stuff done because yes. even though this person is a poor performer or not performing up to our high expectations, mm-hmm. they're still a member of the organization and we have to figure out how to work with them mm-hmm. somehow. But then... Feelings get involved, personalities get involved, and it it makes it tough. You know what's funny? I was talking the other day to a friend who is no longer a colleague. We were talking about expectations, and they were saying how, like, I have such high expectations. And I was like, well, do you have high expectations, or do you just have expectations that people are not able to meet? Because then this person was going over, like, some of the things that they expect of their colleagues, their supervisor, and their direct reports. And I was like, to be honest, those aren't high. Those are just expectations of things that they, you would expect a colleague, a direct report, or a supervisor to do. Mm-hmm. So they're not, I think sometimes we, as professionals, can be like, I have high expectations. Well, no, we say that they're high because people just haven't even been able to meet them. Oh, that you know what I mean? Preach. Hey! Preach. Yay! Oh, Yay. Yeah. Um, going even off of that a little further, I had someone tell me, someone that um, I supervised, um... You know, I think something that can, like, I I think we both do a really good job of not getting feelings involved. Mm -hmm. And I learned this new piece of information. Um, Someone was telling me about my relationship with this person. And they said, oh, I can tell you don't really get along with this person. I was like, oh, really? I I, I know that this person may not agree with my assessment (laughs) of their performance. But it doesn't mean I don't get along with them. Like, I, I really keep those things separate. And, yes, with this person, I've been known to have disagreements about their performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so interesting. If I had to put myself in the perspective of this person, they're thinking they're in a toxic environment because they feel like everyone's out to get them. Yeah. Or everyone is, like, um, not seeing the, the good that they're doing. But I'm, I'm, from my standpoint, I'm saying, well, you've been here for a while, and I'm trying to push you. I'm trying, mm-hmm. and so, of course, my expectations of your performance are going to be higher than someone who's their first year in this organization. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. because I say you're, you need to improve in this area, doesn't mean I, I'm out to get you. Yeah. Right? Like, I want us to all win. Like, exactly. if you win, we win. So, right. I think sometimes it's difficult for people to see that, because you're like, well, you're just picking on me. Well, first of all, I, sometimes... Oftentimes, as a leader or as a supervisor, you see potential in people. I'm like, I, I'm hoping that if I, as I push you, you rise to that potential. 
Because I know you have it in you, but maybe I'm the first person after X amount of years that's pushed you to try to think about those things, do them more consistently or in a different way or a way that's going to be more expansive. Mm -hmm. But it's like, well, you're pushing me. You're coming for me. Well, first of all, I don't think about you outside of work. So let's be real clear about that. Thank you. Um, But the other thing is like we as a collective, like your shitty work is a reflection of my supervision, unfortunately. So if, I, if that means I'm pushing you and I'm riding that ass for you to improve from areas that I see that you can do, but you're just, you're not applying yourself or you're being lazy or you're doing the like, well, we've always done it this way. So right. that's all that we can do. But yeah, I would fully agree with you that we as humans have the ability or potential to take things personal. Like you come in for me. Well, first of all, what the fuck does that mean? Right. Um, like, why would I do that when your success, my success is dependent on your success? Yes. What do I have to gain to come and get you? Yeah. If I was really going to get you, you would have been terminated the second Hello? I needed you to be Hello? terminated. Hello, I'm trying to give you a chance, right. you know, so. And so those people yeah. are actually creating their own toxic environment by creating false narratives. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Right? So that was the last example I wanted to give with that. Um, and, oh, Sorry, just one more little thing. And then what I really hate is when people take it a step further and then they spread that false narrative yeah. to other folks. And it's yeah. that's hard to battle. Yeah. Well, and I've been in environments where, again, in my 12 years of experience, um, before somebody catches, somebody that I work with currently catches feelings, whatever, <laughs> um, of, like, I've been in, uh, on campuses or departments where I don't even work in a unit anymore. And my name still comes up in people's mouth. And I, I really don't understand. I'm like, I have been long gone from doing that. So I'm not, I, I don't know if I should like tip my hat for being that fucking influential. Excuse me. I don't, don't fuck that. Don't excuse me. Mm-mm. But for being that influential that you're still talking about me years later. Get your name out of my mouth. Oh my mouth. goodness. I don't even, I don't understand. And I'm like, are you, again, am I that influential that you can't let me go? Because I've certainly let you go. I'm on to different things. I need you to be on to, like, rise to your shit. Mm Because I'm certainly trying to move toward rising to my shit. Why haven't you been able to let me go? It sounds like a a scorned relationship. (laughs) Yeah, but it's part of that toxic thing. And I was like, you, when people still hold on to the things um, or the issues that have been of the past, um, that to me makes for uh, a toxic environment and, and breeds toxicity within a new, like, if you get new staff members and a new team, you're bringing in this old shit rather than giving people a chance to right. experience what's new and develop their own culture. But you're holding on to these other things and you're making that stuff public. And I'm not saying like hide it. Well, low key, I'm saying like handle your shit. Like there's no sense in bringing in like a new group of folks or new colleagues into this old shit that you have been dealing with that you haven't been able to move past. So. Yeah, I think that for working with folks who are not able to work through those things um, or um, another thing, place of like toxicity is like when people like, this may be not very nice, but when they outwardly wear their emotions as a person who can be quite stoic in even like tense situations, Mm -hmm. um, because I will give you the two word answer and then continue (laughs) to take notes and then wait for you to get like riled up. And I'm not waiting. I'm not like saying things to piss people off, but like. If I'm in an environment and I'm like, well, I have to choose how I want to show up in those spaces. Like if I want to be toxic with you and as a natural cynic and a smart ass, it is sometimes really difficult for me to not snap back, clap back, whatever you want to say 
to a situation. And then I remember that I value things like consistency and stability mm-hmm. and security in terms of a paycheck and employment. Right. So sometimes those spaces are really difficult to be in. And so I have to choose how I want to show up in that. Um, and that's when I work out and that's when I run because I can get all those <laughs> things out there. Yeah. And I win at the end of that. So. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think that's... that's so <laughs> um, I also have to add in the sidebar, I have five years of experience, so before anyone gets too quick right? to label, I've been with a lot of people right. in those five years. And these are reflections of myself, <laughs> not necessarily the organizations, institutions, people I have worked with and for. Exactly. So know that. Um, so I think some of these, uh, you know, let's call them arrows of negativity or arrows mm-hmm. of toxic- toxicity, they can be developed over time. They're just so amorphous that you can't really pinpoint it. It's just a feeling. But then other times it could just be things people say in the moment. Mm-hmm. So for those instances, how have you typically responded or how would you respond in the moment when someone is adding like, think of toxicity as, like, a, a fountain, and you're just throwing pennies into it. Okay. Right? So, in those moments when those pennies are being thrown, how would you respond to the, to that? When you said that initially, I thought about, like, the verbal things that people say that are trying mm-hmm. to get you riled up or, like, start some shit, basically. Um, and I try not to be, like, a public shit starter. Um, I also know that I can be... I am excellent at vaulting. So, I can be a vault. So, sometimes people come to my office... And they just want to, like, lay shit out there. And I'm like, okay, lay the shit out there. And then, like, if you want to talk about it, we can go, like, role play this out or whatever. We can do that. Um, but I know that I'm, I'm excellent at being involved and keeping shit to myself that people come with. Um, in those instances, I try not to... Um, I am good, better, and different. That person, I'll be like, oh, that's, okay, that's interesting. Not my experience, but... All right, if that's yours, like, what do you want to do about it? So putting the onus back on that person, like you're complaining and saying X, Y, and Z about this other person or project or thing, what do you want to do about it? To trying to have a bit of a um, a solution oriented approach. So it's not on me to define that for you, but like especially if it's in like a group or committee, I am not going to like put like lay on the, an, a, another layer of shit that's that someone's already doing. But I'll quick to be like. Again, good, better, and different. I will disengage from the shit talk. I will start to take notes. I will, you know, be like, hmm, that's interesting. Because sometimes there's not really yeah. anything else to say. Yeah. Because I don't know that my battle is always to be like, to try to push somebody to see a different perspective. Because then I'm pushing them to see my perspective. Right. As the, the different perspective. But I'm like, sometimes people are going to be stuck in their ways. Now, I may ask some more questions. Like, what has your experience been that's led you to this? Um... Can you help me understand? Or if it's not my experience, I'm not going to, like, jump on board for something that I'm like, I don't have anything to do with that. Like, not my experience. I'm not sure how to help you. But what do you want to do about it? Mm-hmm. Is this a conversation that you want to have with a person or something that you want to bring up here so that mm-hmm. we can get it out in the open and kind of suss through and work through it? But, yeah, when people say shit in the moment, I can certainly be like, Ooh, this is this is not my ministry. Y'all can go ahead and talk about it. <laughs> not my ministry. <laughs> party i'm invited to like i can't enjoy oh, all that extra shit you yeah, know so true yeah but i do have those folks that i feel confident that i can debrief after and be like what the fuck was that like <laughs> what was going on like what did this person think that we were gonna say or do 
you know? Right. And really quickly, you said two things that I think will be, I think it's important to distinguish. I think, uh, I don't think venting, especially Mm -hmm. to someone that you trust and that you may find as a mentor, maybe not. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that's adding to a toxic environment. No, 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 no. I don't think Not at all. Uh, I think you can express your feelings and I think we need those Mm -hmm. um, people um, to do that. Uh, But I, unless... Unless you are publicly <laughs> expressing that behavior to just anyone down the hallway, mm-hmm. then that's adding to the toxicity. Yeah. And if you're not being solution-oriented, definitely not adding to the toxicity. No, no. Um, and I, I try to encourage the folks I work with to be mindful of the space that you are, like, venting or bitching or, like, complaining in. Because I'm like, doing it in the hallway ain't the lit. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's not a good look for you or for me, especially if you're reporting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you can come in my office and unload, like, turn on the, no- the white noise machine. Like, we can turn on the feet, the, the feet, the, the feeder or the hand, the heater or the fan. Mm-hmm. Um, slow down on the drinks. <laughs> um, and then you can talk through those things and get that shit out in the open or talk to whoever offline, off campus that you talk to to help you work through these things and be frustrated and pissed or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you doing this business in the hallway and being pissed is a poor reflection of me. Right. And I always say, like, what if the vice president walks through? What if the president walks through and mm-hmm. here's all this X, Y, and Z shit? Right. Then this is a conversation I gotta have you in a, with you in a formal sense. Do you, like, I try not to, like, document things like that if I don't have to, but I'm like, you out here showing your ass. And they gonna come to me. They're not gonna go to you. They gonna come to me mm-hmm. to give it to you. Right. I'd rather not. Can you believe that I had someone come up to me and say, "Oh, I guess so and so is not really happy here. Seems like he's gonna quit soon." And it's the first time ever. And this is someone not even in our department. Uh, the first I'm hearing of that. That is just reinforcing. You never ever want your your supervisor to be the last person to know no. that you're not happy there. Mm-hmm. Happy where you are, whatever the news is. Yeah. And having mm, sorry. You know, <laughs> just uh, an interesting dynamic that I have found that I'm not quite sure what to do with yet. I mean I've I've done some things around this, but like there will be times where like as a black woman I will see like young professionals of color um like either showing they ass or like not living to their potential or like not doing good work and I'm 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 unfortunately hearing about like some of the foibles that they've had did I just say foibles I don't know what that I means. did um the errors that they've made or like the inconsistent performance that they've had and there have been times when I've been like what is my responsibility as a person of color who knows that unfortunately our our work is reflected amongst each other so if you don't perform, Paul, as black man, then that, that unfortunately and erroneously is a reflection of me mm-hmm. as a black person. So I've had kind of a, and I talk about this with my wife a lot, like, at what point do I, like, I don't want to, like, unnecessarily mentor somebody or, like, bring them in for a conversation, but I'm like, you don't even realize what you're doing and what the conversation mm-hmm. is around you. And so how do I help those folks who are creating like their own windstorm of toxicity by their behavior or the things they say, or even like the like eye rolling or whatever that they say in a meeting, how do I um, help them become aware of how other people are perceiving them? And, and I'm like, is that, am I tone policing somebody? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. I actually had someone kind of ask me that mm-hmm. um, because 
if you're really if you're close if you're like this crossed fingers with this yeah that's the lateral easy yeah it's a lateral you know person someone on your level yeah easy to confront them hold them accountable for those kind of things mm-hmm. but if it's if it's not if, whether it's someone you don't get along with or someone that you're just so distant with you, you don't have the place to tell them mm-hmm. or make them aware how do you contribute to that because it's affecting yeah. your own success right yeah. and sometimes it's not it's just like you see the potential mm. in a colleague or somebody else's direct report and you're like ooh i don't even i'm not sure if you're aware how you're coming off right you know what I mean? I think how I would, um, and I've never had to really do this before, how I would do it, um, the next chance that I get to work with this person or be in approximate con- uh, be in prox- proximity to them to have a really good conversation, uh, whether it's one-on-one, maybe there's a group of three of us, um, I would try to get them to be aware of those ways directly rather than we're not in a meeting, it's something completely unrelated, and I just walk up to their desk and say it to them, right? Mm-hmm. I think I would really be conscious of the next time I'm working with them and we're seeing how our work affects each other, I'm going to try to call it out in the moment. Okay. Um, I think it will be easier to do it in a one-on-one situation versus maybe a group but um, I've been told that I have a really good way of saying things in a very diplomatic way. Mm-hmm. And layman terms, I really know how to be shady without <laughs> being shady. <laughs> um, and I, I really can't give examples now. It's just uh, when I'm right in the moment, I, I just know where I'm at, who's in the room, so I know how to pick the right words mm-hmm. to get the results that I want. Um, from someone without being, you know, completely unprofessional. Yeah. Well, and see, my approach is slightly different. Like, I, I like that approach. I, I People said, like, you're so diplomatic. How do you do that? And I was like, well, first of all, I don't want to be an asshole in the meeting or a conversation. And I'm also aware of the narrative of the angry black woman. So I have to play. I, unfortunately, like, have been conditioned to consider that as I communicate. Um, but there have been times when I have had a colleague or someone, like, a younger, it's typically a younger professional if I see them kind of like perhaps say something kind of sideways or I see the kind of the reactions of the people in the room of what they say, I'll do like a, hey, do you want to like grab tea or like let's get lunch and then pull them into an environment where they're, I feel like it's a sneak attack, but like <laughs> in an environment where they can kind of let their guard down and we can talk and I can say, this, you know, I really see a lot of potential in you. This is how I have um, experienced folks responding to when you say this. Or how you kind of communicate in this way. And I'm not sure if that's what your intention is. But I, I, I want to be fair and let you know that this is kind of the perception that I'm hearing. And not that you're the topic of conversation because everybody has things to do. Mm-hmm. But like, you should be aware of this. Um, and if you want to talk about it, cool. We can talk about maybe some strategies or tips of how to navigate those spaces where you, you don't feel empowered. Or you feel like somebody's like stepping on your neck or something. Um, but I don't want to leave you like hanging out there and not aware of um, ways that you can um, consider interacting with people. Not that you have to, you do your own thing. But as you want to progress, and I see that, again, I see potential in you, and I only will do this if people, I see people with potential. Like if you're just shit and trash from the beginning, good luck, deuces, I hope somebody's going to take you under their wing. And I'm not trying to take people under my wing, but I think... It's a, it's a really, it's a hard space to be in because some people are like, why are you trying to tone police me? Like, mm. I just want to be me. And I was like, well, bitch, be you then, you know? <laughs> I want to be you that hard. <laughs> you ain't going to be here for that long. 
There's some things that you gotta, you gotta, I don't want to use, this sounds old, I'm like, trust the elder sometimes, like, uh, right. I had to, I had a supervisor who at one point, she had to get me together, like, um, yeah, and I still respect her very much to this day, and I've worked with her years ago, but I'm like, she had to get me together real, like, in a real quick way, and I was like, who the fuck is this bitch, but now, I really appreciate the lesson that she taught me, and I don't even know if she taught. She knew that she taught me that. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Sarah Waters. I know she doesn't listen, but hey. But yeah, she got me together in a real s- smooth way, and I was like, like five years later, I was like, oh, she was right. Like I needed that get together from somebody, and she was a person that I didn't think would be giving me that, but she totally did. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Um. So we've you know really added a lot to this conversation about how talk to- what toxicity looks like mm-hmm. how do we respond but i think what's more important because we both kind of indicated this earlier about making sure we remove ourselves from the bullshit sometimes mm-hmm. but honestly whether and we can even go outside of work just the concept of how do you preserve yourself um and when i say that things i think about is preserving your attitude preserving your values preserving your uh, philosophy of the work that you do. So for both of us, it would be education, Mm -hmm. like Mm mission-driven, vision-driven. How do you do that? Especially when sometimes, I'll be quick to admit, I sometimes agree with the toxic things that people say. Mm -hmm. You're welcome to respond first if you have some stuff off the bat. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm riffing a little bit um, because... Uh, I was, yeah, every place I've been, there's been a, a, a level of toxicity. I don't think mm-hmm. there's ever going to be a perfect environment. Agree. Um, where I'm going to start with this. Yeah, I've had toxic environments really doubt that, like, am I really meant to be in this industry? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I think this is bullshit. I don't believe in education yeah. anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the whole thing. Like, the, everything, do yeah. Um... I, so how I preserve myself is, uh, we, I mentioned this on the show before, but before I walk in, I have to shake off whatever happened the previous day. Mm. It's a new day. And I do those affirmations. Mm -hmm. And for me, I have my personal affirmations, but I do affirmations for work and actually comes in the form of, I'm going to pick two things, just two things. It's, it's only a seven and a half hour work day Mm -hmm. to accomplish today. Okay. Um, which is very realistic, and it gives me new, um, a new measurement of success. But I choose those two things based off of what the organization needs, what my department needs. Um, and I think that's a method of self-preservation because it reminds me of the work, mm-hmm. right? It reminds right. me of, this is why I'm here. A lot of the times, it's so funny, but when you think about the toxic things... It has nothing to do with the work. No. Half of the time, maybe. Yeah. Maybe more than half. Um, it, ha- it has nothing to do, for at least, you know, with the students and getting them through their four years and mm-hmm. this and that. It's about the people, and yeah. that really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So that's one method that I use. Um, I... Um, I think it's easier now since I'm a manager to stay out of the bullshit. It's so easy. I it's it's really interesting hearing things after the fact, like hearing um, how conversations come about. 
and just kind of, I, in a way I'm watching some of that toxicity from above mm-hmm. um, and it's a little easier to stay out of it because I have my own constituents um, like my higher ups to kind of you know think of things the other way because mm-hmm. I you know even though my uh, my supervisor and ultimately you know the top of the organization even though they have their own woes it's interesting I think in senior leadership we don't really perpetuate that um and this is my first time being in senior leadership mm-hmm. we don't perpetuate the negativity I see it a lot in the entry-level mid-level positions but where we are it's like yes it's tough but there's still this um, support with one another. It's like we're gonna get through it. We're gonna we're gonna try different methods. Mm-hmm. We're, we're just gonna try. And so I oscillate back and forth between being in that environment and then being in the environment where I sense there may be toxicity. Mm-hmm. And so I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that's really important to me that seems to get worse as I get older is just there. There's a lot of toxicity that reminds me of my blackness or that reminds me of the lack of diversity of where okay. I work or like microaggressions or things like that and I I really really appreciate and value the time that I have with my other black co-workers okay. um, so there are the folks that I go to across the school who um, you know we have lunches and we just talk and sometimes the things we talk about are not even about us. It's just about the um, the toxicity we're noticing for our, with our black students, mm-hmm. right, or students of color. And it's like, oh, like the student once again is like being denied or not is not able to get to this place because of this restriction or you know mm-hmm. where they are in society. And um, and then other times we're talking about how how we're being perceived and how we are. Um, working through the organization so it's nice to just have someone to talk about it with and unfortunately at a lot of places um in that san francisco there's very few and far between and it actually took me quite a while to find someone that i could at my organization that i could trust saying these things mm-hmm. and then get validation because they've been there a little longer than me and then you know they tell me my experience yeah so i um i guess this is more of less preservation of well still preservation of self but I see as more of preservation of my identity Mm -hmm. because I don't want to lose my identity in an organization where I don't have a lot of people that look like me Mm -hmm. that makes sense which could be any organization USA true Um, (laughs) (laughs) that was a little bit bleak my apologies Um, as you said that um there are a few things that come to mind. One is, um, one thing that has been helpful is to have, um, people that I trust. So for me, that's, I don't trust a lot of people point blank period. Um, but I have a few, a very small number of mentors that I feel like I can kind of suss through those things with and kind of talk those things out like frustrating days. I mean, I have friends too that have, again, very small number of friends that, either work in education or that I've met via my work in education that I can talk through and kind of vent and help me put perspective on things. So certainly talking those things out has been super helpful for me so I can um, kind of find a place to be rational um, as a very like rational person who's like, oh, these things go like this. Um, So that's kind of how my mind operates. 
Um, so certainly having mentors and colleagues or friends that I can talk through those things with. Um, having a life outside of work and putting up, um, for me, what are helpful boundaries on how, how often I engage in the work when I'm not at work um, have, have certainly helped to preserve like um, who I am, how I identify, like my values in terms of living life. Um, and having experiences rather than getting caught in like the the toxic work environment. Um, and unfortunately for uh, both of us working in education, it can come from colleagues at any level, but also for some sometimes from our students. Um, so I try and make an effort to have a life that is independent of that. I'm like I don't check email on weekends, which I have to learn how to not do. I have to practice. <coughs> Excuse me practice not checking and responding to emails or not checking emails period <coughs> I'm sorry Ooh, apparently I got choked up about that yeah. um, responding to emails on weekends or after hours because those were things that were contributing to not me not being happy and not feeling fulfilled in my work yeah. um, am I 100% fulfilled all the time no um, <laughs> when I find that job I'll let you know and I'll let the listeners know when I find that but I had to kind of put a pause on how much I, I choose to engage after that because I, I'm a human and I know people don't expect like educators and administrators to have a life outside of that and to be available 24-7. But guess what? I'm not. There are times that I don't check my email. If I'm on vacation, you ain't going to hear boo from me. I'm going to have to MapQuest or Google Maps the way back to work. <laughs> you really just say MapQuest first? I did. I did. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm calling you out for that. MapQuest. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to teach myself to do those things if I wanted to ha- have any level of sustainability in a job or career. Um, I also found that I have to think about like my goals and what do I want to accomplish and do next in terms of self-preservation. Because for me, I know this is not the role that I'm in right now is not the end. I'm very aware of that. And so for me, it's helpful to think of like, what am I working towards? You know, not that I'm like, running away from this right now but what am I working towards like is this the end am I like and if this is the end how do I maximize where I am right now but I know for me this is not the end this is a um a pamphlet in a chapter in my life story so how do I how do I start to you know really engage and figure out what are the things I need to attain now so that I can be ready for whatever the next step is um, yeah. But while obviously still staying engaged in the work that I'm doing now, would be like, this ain't the end. So this is not the end of me. This is not the end of my career. So I'm going to work with other types of people throughout my career. So how do I figure out and work through these strategies now so I can be prepared to do that in the future? So those are some of the things that help me kind of stay, stay engaged um, mm. in my current work environment, but help me remove myself from the toxicity. Because I'm like, if I have a goal... I tip, I'm a person that will work through the steps that I've outlined for my goal. And I'm like, okay, even when the shit gets tough or toxic, I'm like, okay, well, what is my goal out of this? What, where do I eventually want to be? And how does this toxic shit help me get there? Okay, it doesn't help me get there. So let me put that to the side and not even engage in this toxic shit. So, yeah. yeah. I think uh, one thing I want to say to kind of close out all of this. I don't want um, to close it. <laughs> well, too bad. <laughs> um, is, and this is really, it, for, you know, everyone, I think, 
it's I think it's really good and mature of all of us to basically fight through the toxicity and be mm-hmm. a positive person. But sometimes the answer to that toxic environment is just leaving. I was just thinking that music like fight through and stay. I was like, or you can go. Or you can just go. Yeah. And whether it you're the, whether it's you're the person who has tried all avenues to remove yourself, whether you're the person who's creating that false narrative, mm-hmm. I don't I don't care what your perspective is. Sometimes for you, whatever you may believe, whatever whatever may be the truth or not, mm-hmm. sometimes the answer is just to leave. Yeah, and that's okay. And there's no shame in pe- like if you choose to leave or if somebody chooses to let you go. <laughs> so right. I, thankfully, I've never been let go of a job. From a job, but sometimes like that's the best thing that can happen for a person is for somebody else to make the de- the hard decision mm-hmm. or even the easy decision to discontinue that working relationship. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that's 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 a hard place to be in, and you can create your own narrative around that or whatever. But sometimes that's the way it is, mm-hmm. and it takes time for you to realize like, oh, that was a good thing. That I'm grateful that they let me go because I wasn't, I didn't know how to like let go of the rope that I was right. holding on to. So I think there's there's a two way of like, oh, I can do this myself. Or sometimes <laughs> an organization has to like let you go and you do that holding the rope by yourself. Right. So, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We are going to maybe refill on yeah. some drinks <laughs> and we'll be right back. So we've been spending the past 20 minutes looking at funny memes and gifs that we send each other throughout the week because the internet is just really hilarious. It's amazing. It's a great stress reliever. It can be. Like if you, if you do it the right way, the internet can be hilarious. Yeah. So, okay. Um, ask a boss and we actually have a question from our inbox and um, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit because this thing was was really, really long. Um, so please mind the pauses as I try to figure this out. So uh, this um, email is from someone by the name of Cameron. And uh, it's actually a, a friend situation, a friend type question. Nothing about work, but we thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah. So anyways, um, Cameron recently made a new friend, um, someone who just recently moved into town and... They casually met each other, and Cameron um, didn't give this friend a name, so for the purpose of trying to figure this out, we'll say the friend's name is um, Thomas. Okay. (laughs) All right. So Cameron says he introduced Thomas to a group of friends, and Cameron loves bringing people together and, you know, know, being inclusive with his social circle. Um, But recently... Cameron has been trying to meet up with Thomas, you know, try to lock down a, a meetup. Thomas is busy, you know, he just got a new job and um, other things have come up. So that's cool, whatever. But Cameron has noticed twice already that um, Thomas has been hanging out with his friends without him. So just to We're be... hanging out with Cameron's friends. Oh, yeah. Okay. Thomas has been hanging out with Cameron's friends okay. without him. Got it. Now, to be even more specific, um, in this one particular week where Thomas said he wasn't available, 
uh, Cameron met up with this group of people, you know, and um, it's a group of people that I guess he meets up with occasionally. And when he gets to the bar, he sees Thomas there. And what he found really interesting was that Thomas is always saying, like, he's not, you know, he's not um, available. But then he goes to meet up with his friends, mm -hmm. and Thomas is there with Cameron's friends. And so, um, you know, Cameron expressed in the letter that he immediately felt a way about it because it's, one, um, you're telling me you're not available, and why, why, two, why are you hanging out with my friends, you know, without me? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. Cameron's question was, you know, even though in the moment he was, <laughs> I guess, pretty petty, um, didn't really <laughs> respond to it well, um, should Cameron still hang out with Thomas, or should Cameron cut ties. Um, Cameron also said, too, that he doesn't really, um, he's not putting any blame on his so social group. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, it's really just on Thomas. What do you think? So, a full disclosure, I am not really an includer of, like, different social groups. So, like, my friend group, which are really small and barely in California. So, in that sense, I don't really have, like, a social group that can be blended, if you will. I would wonder if, number one, how invested Cameron is in trying to, like, actually develop a friendship with Thomas. Like, if you are like, well, I thought we were going to be cool, and I, and I still want to be cool, but I don't, I just want to understand the dynamic. I don't think there's anything wrong with Thomas, I'm sorry, with Cameron like, either texting or calling Thomas and being like, hey, this felt, like, I saw this, you said you weren't available, it felt weird to me, like, can we talk about it? Because there's not really, I don't know that there's another, like, alternative to get to the, like, I don't, I want to be friend, like, a friend in a group as opposed to a friend one-on-one. -on -one. Um, but I, I'm not sure if I see any other way for Cameron to feel... Like, there's some sort of settled with this. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. Um, it, it's not an easy conversation. Um, and I think Cameron will have to decide if he wants to invest that much in it or just want to, like, check it and be like, okay, Thomas is going to be just, he's going to be at these friend things. But if I think if Cameron really wants to know, is there, like, is there something weird that's going on? Or is it like you don't want to hang out with, me on a one-on-one, -on -one, like, let me know. So I don't, like, I don't want to keep pursuing, like, a potential friendship if you're like, nah, dude, I'm good with the group. Like, not, like, I don't, I don't necessarily do one-on-one -on -one very well. And you might get s some more insight into, like, how Thomas, like, operates in, like, social settings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a hard conversation to have, and I'm not saying I necessarily have it, but I don't know there's a, there's a way to get around it besides... And to move beyond the, like, frustrated, petty, like, bitch, I, like, like, I brought you into this shit. I can take you out. You know what I mean? Right. So. <laughs> like Mr. Right. Huxtable for a second. Right? I brought you into this world. I can take you out. So, yeah. Cameron, I think, no, I definitely agree with Shamina's advice. But I think that's only if you think the relationship's worthwhile. Exactly. But it sounds like you just met this guy. So, yeah. like, if I was in your shoes... I don't know, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm thinking about what's the, you know, 
me being the bigger person, of course, being a boss in this situation, but it's also my opinion is I don't really owe you anything. I introduced you to the group, yeah. and I, I, you know, I was just trying to help extend your social circle, um, and if I was you, I wouldn't really owe him an explanation and kind of just move on. So, like, if it really offends you, then I think you can hold your, you know, your bitterness about it, but it wouldn't be, I don't think it would be too... Uh, yeah, it would be petty, but I don't think there's anything wrong with cutting off something that has no depth to it. Yeah. Well, and even the, like, offend versus affect. Like, does it offend me that I, I get to a space and, like, Thomas is there and, like, kicking it with, like, my friends? Or does it affect me and I feel a way about it as opposed to being offended by it? Does that make sense? Um, go into more of offend versus effect. I've like, never really... I tend to think of offense is a choice. Like, you can choose to be offended by it, but, like... Do I, like, am I affected by it? Like, does it make me feel a kind of way? But I'm not necessarily offended, like, oh, my God, you've affronted me. Like, I can't believe this. Mm. I cannot be in this space to be real dramatic about it. But, Got like, it. does it affect me and make me feel like, ew, like, this doesn't make me feel good. And so, like, listening to that inner person that says, like, I'm a human and this doesn't make me feel good. And I want to talk about it and at least get some sort of, like, you may not get closure uh, specifically, but you may feel, like, maybe a bit of understanding of, like, okay, like, maybe you're a group person, or maybe you just jived with my friends in a different way than I thought we jived one-on-one. And sometimes that's helpful to know. So you're not, like, so uh, Cameron's not racking his brain, and it's like, how do I, like, I don't know what to do. Do Am I going to feel weird? But at least you've got some sort more insight um, into how you will engage with Thomas later. Yeah, that's... That sounds fair, too. You being uh, Cameron. You know what I'm talking about, Cameron. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. it seems like, yeah, Cameron, you have a decision to make. It's not really Thomas's decision or way to figure figure it out. Loki, I I probably feel like Thomas knows nothing about, like, how Cameron is feeling. Oh, (laughs) Thomas is like, I'm just here making friends. No idea what Cameron is feeling or going through, Mm -hmm. which is a hard place to be in because I'm sure Cameron is like, oh, like, I'm having all these feelings and I can't believe that Thomas is doing this to me. Yeah. But has had no conversation. And Cameron's probably like, or I'm sorry, Thomas is probably like, what the fuck? Like, I have no, I had no idea. Like, I'm just trying to make new friends in a new city and trying to figure out, like, what my friend circle could be. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think, because, um, yeah, I mean, I can understand too. I think there's a, a friendicate, and we talked about friend <laughs> friendicate before. <laughs> yeah. It was one of our previous episodes, um, and I think there is um, an unspoken code of how to build relationships with people. And I mean, I can see too, Cameron, like why you would think this person should not should, but if <laughs> you're if you're the one who introduced him to five other people, I can understand why you think Thomas. Um, can at least let you know or yeah. include you with that because I, I think it, it is kind of peculiar why he would hang out with them without you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so, but anyways. Yeah. But I think the Cameron thing to do in terms of being a boss is, like, have the conversation as opposed to making all the assumptions about, like, if, if I'm Cameron, I'm like, oh, I think this and this and this. Have the conversation. No one says it's going to be easy or feel good. It may very well feel awkward and uncomfortable. But as a boss, Cameron wants to know these things. Cameron wants to know, like, 
am I barking up the wrong tree? Should I, as Cameron, like lean back a little bit and just let the let the things happen naturally? Um, but I think that's certainly a way to navigate the situation. As a as a if I'm being a boss, if I'm Cameron, I'm being a boss. Let me just go ahead and have the conversation and figure out from there rather than making all these assumptions about what I think might happen or what I think like uh, that Thomas is feeling or interacting with. Okay then. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I hope it works out for you, Cameron. Um, so remember, if you have any questions, uh, please send us your um, questions, stories, whatever, to ask a boss. Is that it? No. <laughs> wow, I almost forgot the email. Send your questions to headbosspodcast at gmail.com. And this is why I don't do that part, because I'll be like, ask a boss. Wait, no. You post an email to nobody. Where are we at? Right? What email? But headbosspodcast at gmail.com. So we are back. <laughs> Couldn't even do it. Oh, could not hold our laughter because Shamina knows I'm going to laugh hysterically at one of her boss ass bitches of the month mm-hmm. or of the week. But yeah, here we are for boss ass bitch or bitch ass boss of the week. Um, I'm going to go first. I have a really short one. And my boss um, of the week goes to Solange. Um, so I don't know if you heard of this, but she made an announcement on Instagram about this, um, autonomic nerve disorder that she has. So she went on Instagram shortly before New Year's Eve and canceled her appearance at this Afropunk, um, concert, which I think she was the headliner at, but it's the Afropunk Fest in South Africa Mm -hmm. for New Year's Eve. And she disclosed this um, disorder that she has. And I'm just going to read her Instagram post. But it says, I can't put into words how saddened and sorry I am that I am unable to perform for you guys this New Year's Eve. There's simply no other place I want to be uh, be than there with my family to bring in 2018 with you. But I give you my absolute word that I will come back with Afropunk and deliver this performance, as it is so extremely important to me to connect with the people who have closely inspired me in so many ways. I'm going to skim through the um, end. So um, she says that um, I can't thank Afropunk enough for their support and to all the other festivals this past summer or fall who have, been, who have known about my health, kept it confidential, and gone out of their way to make me feel supported while doing these shows. As part of the self-care that I've tried to encourage this past year, it needs to start with myself. And I'm looking forward to doing a better job of this in 2018. This past year has been one of the most fulfilling of my life. Performing this record, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then she says, I absolutely feel humbled and appreciative um, to be doing this work next year. It gives me life. So, um, but yeah, and then she also kind of talks about how her, um, the diagnosis is very complicated and she actually still doesn't really know what it is. Um, she's just calling it an autonomic nerve disorder. Um, so the reason why I think this is really boss is a few things. Um, this this announcement reminds me of Lady Gaga, who recently disclosed mm-hmm. her uh, disability of fibromyalgia. And um, I don't think we talk about often enough 
in all our conversations about disability, physical disabilities, invisible disabilities, mm-hmm. and how how that just how that just manifests itself in society. How we take for granted, I think, as human beings, our ability to walk and dance and move and mm-hmm. run and whatnot. And these are people on a pedestal who have expectations to be these huge entertainers, yet they are in pain every single day, mm-hmm. every moment, and society t- still expects them to perform the same way. Yep. I don't think we have enough um, examples of people, you know, celebrities who are disclosing these things because um, there are a lot of people out there that aspire to be entertainers or aspire to be presidents or aspire to do what, be whatever, but uh, society says they can't because they're not able-bodied. So I just uh, give praise to her for putting this on a public platform um, and being vulnerable because imagine not only being a celebrity and entertainer who who loves dancing, but also being a part of a musical family called the Knowles family, um, and you know being next to someone who who is almost like godlike Beyonce, <laughs> Beyonce, and then having this uh, not not only being in the shadow of someone big, but now you have this disorder that doesn't make that is another obstacle for you. So I just really, really praise her for putting that out there because we need more people out there to talk about disability issues mm-hmm. and educate people on um, uh, how to fight for them and how to uh, create spaces where they can be, where they can do the same things that we can do. Yeah. And even to understand that people are going through these things and they may not publicly share them, um, but to know that they are experiencing these things and living with these things and don't put them out on the side, or like on the highlight reel or the things that are really public um, until like, they feel comfortable to do so. So I think that's that's another noble thing. I saw that um, uh, a while back, a while back, like a week or two ago. Yeah. Um, when she put it out, and I was like, I appreciate that because we make all of these assumptions about how an artist like lives and operates in the world, not knowing that they are humans too. Like we know, but we don't know. Like we expect super superhuman things from them but they're people mm-hmm. like they experience things they experience illnesses disabilities and we have to honor that and respect the fact that they are willing to share that with us you know um and be gracious enough to accept that like there's sometimes things that people can't do because of the way that their life is going at, at that point so um, shout out to Solange. yeah thank you Solange. Hey. Um, any other bosses or bitches? No, that's it. Okay, so I have a few. I'm going to say bosses because fuck bitches, right? <laughs> um, fuck bitches in 2018. Yes. Um, damn near broke the glass. Um, so the first one, um, don't drink while I'm saying this, but, oh gosh. um, on Instagram, she is J-S-T-L-B-B-Y. <laughs> so, and I'll try to link to something on her from our Twitter. Uh, I don't know if she tweets. Um, but she is a, there's not a lot of information on her Instagram, um, but it says God first for business promotions, DM me, but she's hilarious and she does these videos that like she does, I don't know if it's a video a day or two videos a day, but she has, first of all, she has this like sick ass, like, um, uh, what is that thing called? Karaoke mic where she talks out of. And she'll be like, bitch, 
<laughs> well, she's like sucking on like a like a nineteen eighty seven sucker, like bitch, um, like you're bad as shit, like you're amazing, and she's everything. Wait, we have to play her most famous one. Do um, it, this is- bitch. If you ain't having a good day, sit there and ask yourself why. Is the shit that bad that you can't have you a good day, bitch? My lash falling off, I don't care. Wig blowing like a motherfucker. People saying, where can I buy your hair? And it's a synthetic wig. Ain't no nigga pressing me. I just bought myself some shit. I mean, come on. <laughs> Living in Los Angeles, just feeling good. The clouds is out. Okay, stop playing before we get in trouble. Okay, okay, okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But she, like, she is a black woman living in L.A. Um, Los Angeles. Right, Los Angeles. Um, She is a plus-size woman who gives a damn about that. But she gives these, like, motivational, like, talks via, like, the best microphone in the world. Um... And, like, I just really appreciate the fact that she's like, your life ain't that bad. And she, like, she also curses and praises the Lord in the same sentence. Uh, um, she's like, bitch, you better praise God. Um, and there's something about her. I have shared her, like, little 59-second videos with, like, seven people in the last week. And I'm like, you need to watch this because she's giving you life in a way that's not, like, how we quote unquote expect people to give like in this polished, like really fancy way. Like I just love her and she keeps it real. She cries on the, on the gram, but she also like, is like, bitch, like you can do this. Like your life is lit. Think about all the good things. So I just love her and I watch her every day and I low key, I send her to like six or seven people. <laughs> and I'm like, you need to watch this. You're welcome. We'll definitely post her Instagram link on the episode description. Yes. Um, let's see. I do have one bitch. I forgot. So another boss. <laughs> what about leaving bitches? In I know, but this one deserved it. Um, okay. Another boss, Shonda Rhimes. In case you didn't know, she's got a How to Get Away with Scandal crossover episode with How yes. to Get Away with Murder and Scandal. So yes. Olivia Pope and Annalise Keating. I'm not ready. I can't even talk about it. But the fact that these two powerhouse black women are going get to on, get on TV, read the shit out of each other, and then come together to take shit down. I'm not ready. I don't know when the episode is, but I'm already not fucking ready. Thank you, Shonda Rhimes. You continue to slay my whole entire life. I just got my hair cut, and I don't even have the edges. You just snatched them. Thank you. I praise you. You're right up next to Oprah. Um, So that's one. Another one is shout out to Mary J. Blige for finally fucking receiving a Hollywood Walk of Fame star. Just now. Bitch. 20 years in the game, and I bet you can do. Slice so ex husband is not even fucking ready. He's gonna want a piece of the cement. Um, wow. But shout out to Mary J. Blige. I went to her concert in 2017, got my whole fucking life. Didn't even realize how many songs of Mary J. Blige I goddamn knew. Like, I wasn't <laughs> ready. Didn't sit down the entire two hours that she was slaying. Fuck the person that come after her. I don't know why she wasn't the the ending act. She was like in the middle. Oh, was this was like, not just her. No, it all. was like she was opening what? low-key for Maxwell. I said, 
who is Maxwell? Is it the coffee? Is it the bean? Wait, we all know who Maxwell is. Don't say it like that. When Mary Maxwell's finished, I was like, like that. I'm done. I'm going home. Why do I need to stay? Right. Mary should have been the closing act. And can we just yes. also give a shout out to that album that she just released? Not so. So I I've been a little late on her album. Like Mary J. Blige is my second mom. Like she's uh-huh. my mama. She kind of looks like my mom actually. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> she that album goes so deep. It is the read of all reads. Listen to the album. It's called. Um, I don't even fucking know. It doesn't really, matter. But it doesn't matter. Listen to her most recent album. Her discography um, is It's I sick. mean, it's sick. It's called... It's ridiculous. Um, a Strength of a Woman. Yeah. I can't. Yeah, anyways, it's great. You're not even strong slaying. enough to handle that, so just be ready because she will slay your entire life. Um, let's see, I have one more boss. Oh, this alcohol's kicking in. Right? <laughs> You're late because I'm already in it. Um... <laughs> There's a new book that came out um, the beginning of January. It's called Fire and Fury Inside the 45. It's his name, um, White House by Michael Wolf. Um, and when I tell you this shit, the, the things that I have been seeing about this book have been hilarious. Yes, I said hilarious as opposed to hilarious. Um, but it's all these things about <laughs> from, um, shout out to Hillary um, and Shade to 45. Um, because that's how I feel, and I can represent my own views. But it's all these insider kind of comments and things that, um, and who knows if it's honest or if it's like falsified or embellished by any means. But it's just been a hilarious thing to read through, um, and I am looking forward to when I have my new um, credits through Audible. I will probably download this so I can listen to it. But shout out to Audible if you want to be a sponsor. Hit us up. Yeah, so if you know um, someone right? in that department, that um, can just hit us up. I will totally listen to this and then comment back. But it's all these things about 45 that are very likely true about his infantile existence within the White House. Um, so, And those are my own views, not the views of my, the place that I work or anything like that. But <laughs> it, the, the, the fury that I have seen around this has been hilarious. And people, like this book is selling out. Like, in big towns, in small yeah. towns, it's, I think, it's on the New York sellers um, list right now. So, it is just interesting to see and to see 45 tweet. I don't follow his tweets because I have him blocked because the devil won't be in my house voluntarily. <laughs> but I see people retweet the stuff that has um, that name in it. And I believe that 45 tweeted something about, like, these are all lies, these are all such and such, which is playing to the lowest common denominator of this bad boy. But anywho, um, so shout out to Michael Wolf um, for basically getting a bestseller day one. I think he came out today, if not yesterday, and people getting their whole lives about it. Um, and the, the bitch, the one bitch that I have is to a YouTuber who I don't even watch, but oh. I know his name is... Logan Paul, and he used to do the splits like in random places around. Um, I know it's around California, but um, <laughs> Paul is low key. Yeah, he would be like in somewhere and all of a sudden like drop into the splits. But um, he recently got shaded for um, uh, being in um, an Asian country, and I can't remember which one. Um, I think Japan. Let me be specific. He was in Japan. And he was at this place called Suicide, like, oh, the Valley. Oh, Forest? Or, or yeah, the, Suicide forest. forest. Yeah. And did a YouTube video. And he's a YouTuber, um, but it was someone who um, 
uh, I think he captured a video of someone who had committed suicide and was dead. Um, and then there was this guy who basically commented on all his videos. Uh, the Facebook group is called That Japanese Man Utah, um, who's a man who is Japanese. And he basically went through a number of this Logan Paul's videos and was like, identifying so many ways that he was problematic mm-hmm. um, in terms of how he was talking about um, Asian countries and basically being hella disrespectful to um, different cultures and being rude and expecting other people to essentially clean up his mess. So bitch to him for like taking advantage of um, someone else's culture and just generally being trash. Like I watched like 30 seconds of the videos that were on his YouTube, and I was like, I can't even do this because this doesn't even feel right uh-huh. to you from one human being to another. And to be so disrespectful of somebody else's culture, it was it was really disappointing. Unfortunately, not surprising, but really disappointing for this person to do that. So, um, bitch to him for being just generally disrespectful um, yeah. and using um, his power and his fame, quote-unquote YouTube fame, for not good things. Can we just leave behind uh, white people doing stupid shit in other countries? I I can't even relate. Like, I can't even understand this Logan Paul character. I, it was so disrespectful, like, the way that he was treating, like, the religious um, uh, institutions and areas and, like, really meaningful things to the Japanese culture. And all I saw was the, the, the things that were in this video. And I was like... Oh my gosh! How how dare you go into some place that's not where you're from and not where you identify and be a fucking buffoon? Mm-hmm. Like how dare you? It reminds me of that story of that college student that went to uh, North Korea. Oh my gosh! Someone that and that, stole um, that poster in the hotel. Yeah, or the one that passed away. Oh yeah, he passed away, right? Yeah. And oh, that was another controversy that we won't get into. But yeah. Um. All right, so before we close out, do you have any podcasts that you want to recommend? Oh my goodness, um, podcasts that I want to recommend. Um, you go first. Ah, I don't have any right at the <laughs> So I, I was at a friend's um, little gathering recently. We were re-watching Girls Trip because it's such an amazing movie. True. But um, someone was telling me about like, oh, I just don't want to watch the news. It's so negative. Um, I just want to focus on myself and self-care and health and yoga and whatever. Uh, but I told her, it's like, I understand, but you, we're at a really crucial time where you need to be paying attention to the news. Like, she didn't know what the, the net neutrality thing was. She didn't know what was going on with the tax bill. I was like, you, there, we're signing petitions. Like, you need to know. So I recommended a podcast called um, Pod Save America. Yes. I love it because it's not so negative focus and it's very quick. It gives you the breakdown of what you need to know, A, B, and C, what, what can you do to help? And then it moves on to the next story. And then it brings on consultants and professionals, but it's very fast paced and it's not, it doesn't give you this dread of everything's wrong in the world. Yeah. So pod save America. Um, and it's, um, produced by cooked media. Sweet. Um, I've heard that. Yes, indeed I have. Um, I would co-sign on that as well. Um, podcast, I would say it's a little bit old, but there's a podcast, um, it's Issa Rae Presents Fruit. Um, it's a little old, I know there's a season two out on Stitcher, but you have to have Stitcher Premium to do it, Uh but there's a code for like a a seven day, whatchamacallit, and you can binge listen to, um, the podcast from there for seven days. 
Um, but it is about a, um, a man who I think, uh, we won't say he identifies, but it's kind of a, like a bisexual storyline of a professional athlete. It says it's based on a true story, but it's really captivating. It's also really short. Each episode is less than like 15 minutes. And I think there are maybe 10 or 12 episodes but it's really good. I turned some friends on to it over the break and they like binge listen. They're like, oh my gosh, have you listened to season two? And I was like, no, because I'm cheap. Um, but now that I know that the um, Stitcher Premium you can get on a free seven-day trial, I will try it. But okay. shout out to Issa Rae again mm. for showing out with this podcast. And I look forward to hearing the next one. Yes. All right. That ends everything that we have for you this week. Um, I want to leave you with the usual um, treasure at the end of the rainbow. <laughs> so uh, please remember to keep listening to us on all our platforms. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Stitcher. We don't have to be on Stitcher Premium to listen to us. Shout Google out. Play and Apple Podcasts. Uh, remember to stay connected with us on our social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, email us your questions at headbosspodcast at gmail.com. All right, that's all we have for you. Peace out. All right, bye.